Welcome to the 2024 Litigation Forecast podcast series, where our litigation and dispute resolution team shares the predictions and recommendations for the business year ahead, brought to you by Mintrelson Rod Watts. This is a second podcast from June Hardacre, partner in the employment team, and myself, Gillian Service. We're your hosts today. In today's podcast, we'll be following on from our previous episode where we talked about what we would expect from the government this year that will affect the employment landscape and what businesses need to be aware of from that perspective. And today's episode will focus on what we can expect to see from the courts, and in particular, two topics around good faith and tikanga and the role of tikanga in the workplace. Before we begin, please note that nothing we are discussing today is legal advice and all information in this podcast is correct at the time of recording, which is today, Thursday, the 25th of January. Now, June, when we spoke last time, you gave us a really nice feel for what we can expect from the government in 2024. But we know that the employment landscape is influenced by more than just what government's doing but also by what the courts are saying. And I think we're really fortunate that we have got an employment court that is really open and transparent and has a role in in how our employment framework is is shaped. And they're always willing to, you know, give their views and a lot of the cases that come out of of our court include such a useful commentary on the interpretation and application of the employment landscape, which is the Employment Relations Act. And one topic, Gillian, that we've really been bouncing around and we've actually seen the court bounce around as well, um, obviously in a, in a more formal sense and just bouncing it around is what we see as the core of the employment relationship in New Zealand, which is the statutory duty of good faith. And it's interesting when we talk about good faith because a lot of our, you know, Australian-based clients or clients from slightly farther afield don't know what it is. They don't know how to, to grapple it. And it is something that's really special to our employment relationship, which know in a nutshell is both parties to the employment relationship uh, or or all parties if you're dealing with a unionized workforce uh, being you know the employer the union and the employee need to work together in good faith which is to have that active constructive responsive and communicative relationship and we always talk about that being a two-way street right it's not just about the employer uh, owing that obligation to its people. It's about the union owing that obligation to its members. It's about the employees owing that obligation to the employer as well. And, you know, we've talked about it being really clear that the employment court has its eye on good faith, and we've seen a couple of decisions expand on that. So, yeah, Gillian, do you want to take us through what we've seen the courts talking about? Mm. When I think about good faith and where I'm seeing the courts move. It's, it's not different to what we've seen in the past, but it's a development of what we, we know. So what I mean by that is there's a real push to remind employers that good faith is a living concept and it can change and flex over time as employment relationships flex and change over time. It's a really broad concept. When you look at it, like the statutory language creates an incredibly broad 
platform and that allows it to flex. I mean, it's been in our legislation now for 20, over, over 24 tw- years. Yeah, 24 right. years. Almost exactly. quarter of a century. Over two decades. And I've summarised it massively by, you know, talking about those four kind of core concepts. But mm. it's, you know, it's half a page of writing when you look at it on the actual paper it's really quite detailed i think this year employers are going to need to keep an eye on what the courts are saying about it because there is a move i think to be trying to develop it further there's a couple of cases last year that gives me that vibe so supreme court emphasized the importance of good faith in a case called fmv versus tzb we'll come back to that a little later Uh, but what was being said in in that judgment was echoed in several decisions last year from the employment court Um, one judgment emphasized an employer's statutory consultation obligations when they're proposing to make a decision that uh, could have an adverse impact on someone's employment and that was in the context of um, a, a, a transfer of business and workers moving from one employing entity to another um, and there was an observation that uh, that shift and that change amplified the core duty of good faith. And then in another case where I think a, a, big, a big reason why people need to pay attention to this is, you know, just doing the same as you've always done may no, may no longer be good enough, first point. Second point is if you get it wrong and you're challenged on it, um, the scope for penalties has gone up, and that came from a case um, last year where uh, previously our case law said that to trigger the threshold to get a, a financial penalty ordered against you for a breach of good faith, it really needed to be egregious conduct. The legal test in the statute is whether it's serious, deliberate and sustained. And that had been interpreted in, in older case law to be something that had to be really, truly egregious. It was a really high threshold. And yes. We, we saw it as well with cases that we were running good faith often cropped up in statements of problem or statements of claim that we were responding to or involved in. And it was just often like, look, the conduct was, you know, not just not that bad. Yeah, and this this particular case that I'm um, referring to, the court uh, basically clarified that that position that's long been held of it being egregious and that high bar basically didn't feel right anymore and that, that it need not be an egregious breach for penalties to be awarded. So that's a bit of a watch out uh, in terms of just reminding everybody that you know, good faith isn't static, it does shift and move, and certainly the court is reminding people with uh, both those two cases that y- y- you do need to be mindful in a transactional situation of the obligations that good faith bring in terms of consultation. And then also, if you get it wrong, you could be exposed to penalties now when you maybe weren't in the past when the standard for obtaining a penalty was higher. And I do wonder, it's not a hard test to satisfy, you know, when we talk to our clients about it and it's about talking and we've seen this come through in some of the employment relations authority and employment court cases about the role of tikanga in the workplace and the importance of kōrero and mana and respect and listening to your people. And that's not something that's completely foreign to employers, right? Because we've had this obligation for almost quarter of a century. So if your employee approaches you and says, the process of tikanga is important to me, if you've reflected a commitment in your 
employing framework, whether it's through a policy, whether it's through a discussion, whether it's through you know a broader commitment that you will respect the role of tikanga or you will cut it all with your workers, you will involve them and consult with them when you're making significant decisions or making decisions or proposing to run a process, then under section four, good faith obligations, you've already made that commitment. It's often written to the employment agreements as well. So whilst the, the decisions that we've seen come out of the authority, I think we've got two decisions from the authority and, and two decisions from the judgments from the employment court, where it's it's not really gone into what is tikanga. And I think that the court has actually recognised in one of their judgments that that's not for the court to say what it is because it is so bespoke to a particular relationship it can be really bespoke to an individual and where they whakapapa and if there has been a statement or commitment or even a request from an employee to respect a certain practice or process then that needs to be listened to and it will be taken into account by the our courts as to whether or not a process is actually compliant with that section 103a test of substantive justification and procedural fairness. Mm. Mm. So is there anything else, Gillian, that you know you've seen that you'd like to comment on? There is one case that's worth putting in the context of the same topic because obviously as you say last year we saw the authority and the court for the first time really make quite strong statements around the role of Tikanga in the workplace. There's a further case that we'll expect to receive a decision on in the coming months and that's actually from a full bench of the employment court and so for listeners who don't spend lots of time watching that sort of things a full bench is usually convened when there's an important topic and I rightly or wrongly often think that when a full bench is convened um, you may see a, a shift because you've got three judges all thinking about a particular topic and I think in this particular case four judges sat on the bench for for this case and that case related to non-publication orders and there was submissions from Tihanga Romauri on Tikanga and it all went to this issue of non-publication orders. Now what was at the heart of this was, well if I put it in context first, the context is there's been a steady upwards trend in the number of interim and permanent non-publication orders granted by the employment court in respect of one of or more of the identities of the parties in the case. We saw it particularly during COVID because people were worried about being able to get jobs in other organisations or were putting forward medical information about themselves that they didn't want the world at large to know. And you know the, the world of that we live in now where if you if there's a public judgment with your name on it, you're forever Googleable, meant that uh, you know that's a factor in deciding whether there would be interim or permanent non-publication orders. Now, this judgment that we're waiting for will examine that legal position around non-publication in the employment jurisdiction. It really looks at a core principle in the courts of open access to justice. Um, You should be able to know the parties to the cases. You've got sort of quite opposing positions to reconcile. The court heard submissions from numerous interveners, not only on Tikanga, but also from the Privacy Commissioner, Uh, the Council of Trade Unions, Business New Zealand and various representative bodies and media organisations because of course media want to be able to be in the courtroom, want to be able to report it. They're a very instrumental part of open access to justice. That case was October 
last year. We expect that judgment will provide guidance on whether the current presumption of open justice should remain in place in this, the specialist employment jurisdiction. Uh, now, in practical terms, if there's a change that could affect the landscape for businesses faced with a dispute they're trying to resolve, if there's a presumption that one or all will, of the parties will be able to remain anonymous, um, will that change an appetite for settlement? You know, we deal with this a lot, and so I think that's another case for employers to keep on their radar. Yeah, because when we're thinking about what you know, the context of these podcasts are around the litigation forecast, and if you're removing what many employees or former employees see as a barrier to bringing litigation, i.e. having their name published or searchable, then are we going to see an increase in employees bringing claims, which looking at the economic environment where employees are going to be more likely to want to cling on to a job and when that is threatened, whether they will be you know, more likely in this environment where there are fewer jobs out there to go and get, they might fight that. And if we've got a, a case which examines and adjusts, you know, the open access to justice principle and, and changes the, the threshold for non-publication in the employment jurisdiction, we see that barrier removed and we see more of an appetite to actually take your case to the authority. Yeah, definitely something for employers to be mindful of. This is all really interesting, Gillian, and you and I love talking about the academics and of, of the court process and the law, but what do employers really need to know about, I, I suppose, the court's you know, trajectory this year and watching that space? Because we've talked about in our previous podcast, you know, the, the coalition government, they've made their big changes and maybe we'll see some more tinkering. But what can businesses expect or watch out for from our specialist courts? I think it's keeping keeping a close eye because I think we're going to see decisions that can shift the status quo. Very much around that piece of, you know, good faith is it's a flexible concept and there could well be a view that it hasn't been modernised and it needs to be modernised and case law will be the way to do that rather than parliament. So I think compared to the last three years, well, the last government, there was a lot of policy that was going to create workplace change. We're not really so much there. There's more to, I think, use the phrase in the previous episode about tinkering and there might be sort of a few tweaks around the edges. Employers who have been maybe used to looking at parliament for change, I think this year is going to be more keeping an eye on what's coming from the courts. Which we will be doing <laughs> with a huge degree of interest mm. uh, and yeah, watching watching for this change or extrapolation or yeah, modernisation perhaps of you know some core principles that have been knocking around for mm. quite a long time. Which is your plug for our alerts, so if you haven't signed up to our alerts please do so because As June says, we will be monitoring that space closely. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much, June, for your insights. It's been a pleasure to chat through topics which um, hopefully has been useful for our audience as they look towards 2024 and what it means for their workplace and their organisation. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please remember to rate, review or follow Mintrails and Rudwatts wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to receive new episodes directly in your inbox via our website at mintrailson.co.nz. 